episode of the Buffalonian podcast is brought to you by the Cast Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built with and for entrepreneurs. Cover many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. Feature the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Savers of the Metaverse, and The Athletic Mindset. Learn more at castsource.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the Buffalonian podcast. Let's take a trip through cover one's cap extravaganza for the Buffalo Bills leading up to the draft. And the Sabres bounce back after a really tough week. Along with the Would You Rather, Hot Takes, Trivia, and more, this is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Callian. As always, I'm joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. And fellas, we're in that time of the offseason. The mock drafts are happening. The cap, the caps, we're looking at cap space and cap casualties, which uh, we're looking forward to today. But let's 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 just start off here with uh, Josh being ranked 14th best player in the NFL. Or is that quarterback? Kigo, is that stat? Overall. Okay, best 14th best player overall in the NFL by PFF. What are what are our general thoughts on that? I mean, who is surrounding him, Dom? Do you know? Um, yeah, PFF's kind of weird. Um, they tend to rank like every position kind of the same. It's not like like the NFL top 100 really at all. Um I guess that's maybe a little bit more quarterback, wide receiver, like non-offensive line. They're they're a little bit they give a little bit more respect to the offensive line. I mean, like I think Lane Johnson was like nine, and that Jason Kelsey was around the same range as Allen. I think he was maybe a little bit behind them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I respect it. I think I would say I mean it's kind of just interesting that he was third, but I think Mahomes was one and Burrow was three, so there was kind of a gap between uh, the second and third, and you think Hurts. I think I, I think it's pretty accurate. Like I mean, if I was doing the top 100 players, like I probably wouldn't ha- I probably wouldn't put all those lines ahead of Josh just because the quarterback position means so much more to me than playing right tackle. I'm sorry, like <laughs> you might be the best right tackle in the league. I don't think that it equates to like someone playing as like the third or fourth best quarterback. Um, but I mean, I, I think positionally ranked, um, it seems about right. Like I would say three or four this year. I think I think last year was. If he took all the year, he was probably two, maybe three. So kind of similar. I mean, it depends on what you think of Hurts, but I definitely think he would be behind uh, Burrow and Mahomes for the, for this season. No, I I think I think you said it right right there, like the this season part. Like if Josh had played consistent throughout the entire year from how he started to now, like the end of the year, then like I would say he definitely needs to be higher. But like. He definitely had a point in the season where he kind of struggled and the team struggled. And, you know, the, the playoff game, I think, has a lot to do with, you know, that rating. And so I would I would say I would agree that it's rather accurate for how this year went. I think 
I think what they, I think I reading the article, I think their their paragraph on him is like hysterical that he led the in their mind he led the league in big time throws of forty four, but he also led the league in turnover worthy plays of twenty nine. So it def, definitely showed how like he had he literally had the high the, the highest of highs, but also the lowest of lows at any quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess it's interesting to see it. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges for Josh this year. Suspect offensive line play, elbow injury, elbow injury, first year play caller. Like that's I, what Dig said. We something happened week nine, and what happened week nine? Elbow. I I, I just I just think this is again. I think I said it. It's interesting. I said it last after last year that like I think if we look back at this year, like this is Josh's like seventh best year. Mm-hmm. I still think that to be like I think he had. I think his this year is going to be like to me this regular season was better than last year's regular season, but maybe the year overall, little bit little bit down. Yeah, I mean when you look at his stats though, overall like from year to year, not much truly changes. Like it it it, it improves a little bit, but like it's it's still we're looking at the same kind of a season. It's just I'm I'm glad we didn't end the season eleven and six like we did last year. I mean that was kind of rough, but you know. You're absolutely right in the fact that this season felt different. You know what I mean? Like it just felt felt worse off for whatever reason. But no, he I'm, also, I'm he also played one less regular season game too. I think that's also kind of like yeah, yeah, as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We canceled the Bengals game. Forgot. You do forget that. You think they played all the games, but they didn't. So, mm-hmm. and technically, we played less home games than we should have too. We played in Detroit, so. You know, a lot of wrenches thrown in there this season, but um, no, I, I like you guys said. I think the best way to say it is this year's statistics. This year specifically, I'm not gonna go career wide and just like do that, you know. But yeah, I do, Dom. I do agree with you that uh, playing quarterback is a lot more valuable than right tackle. So I would, you know, maybe have a separate separate list of you know top players like that versus top like quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, like stuff like that. You know what I mean? But I, don't I just know. think that's that's where it gets hard to like rank like the top 100 players. Like I think that's why like lists that have like top 10 players at each position, I think are just like I gravitate towards those a little bit more because everyone I've, you piss off every fan base with any of those lists. Yeah. Well, Again, no, no one's taking Lane Johnson. Like Lane Johnson is a very good right tackle. I'm not discrediting Lane jo- Johnson, but no one's taking – Lane Johnson over Josh Allen. No, simply won't happen. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, people are going to get butt hurt no matter what. They're going to cry about it. So, I mean, that, that's just what's going to happen. A bit for for the longest time, Bills fans were looking for people on these lists, and they were upset. So, I'm, you know what, I'm okay with it. Whatever, appease the crowd. Whatever. Uh, I think it's interesting though. You talked. We talked about Josh being injured. And like we saw this also of like Brock Purdy. I know he didn't get injured by his right tackle. He got injured because his tight end they were blocking mm-hmm. some of tight end, but similar concept right side of the offensive line. I do think it's interesting of like we talk all this time about like right tackle and interior offensive linemen being a problem, but like which one is like the bigger problem to fix? I think. I, I don't know. Like I I think it's close. Like which 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 position do you put more assets towards? Like comparison like you put a top 50 pick in one position which is like a big commitment or you just do kind of what you did last year 
with Saffold and find like another vet to kind of just be, I mean anyone could improve Saffold's position but like <laughs> it's like you probably have like those two options to fill those positions and it's like which which position do you put the top 50 pick in and which position do you kind of like find someone to just elevate the play and not like be a long time long-term commitment really I personally I feel like you want the right right tackle because the interior offensive lineman I feel like you could get a veteran presence from another team and plug in somewhere and it'll work. But like we said, Josh got injured from the right side coming around. And when you're playing against teams like the Patriots or anybody who has a decent pass rush, right? Like that's going to be a recurring theme around the right side through the middle. Josh can roll out to the right and escape the pressure like that. That can be escaped, but coming around the right, that completely inhibits that ability. And then, if he's looking the other way, it's game over. So I personally, I, I would, I would rather, I think the right tackles, the bigger need we have over the interior offensive line. Mike, what do you think? No, I agree. I think um, protecting the edges is the most important thing because usually, you know, you see like the best, ed- obviously the best rushers are on the edges. So just being able to get them behind Allen so that he could either step up in the pocket or escape would be, better and then like you were saying how you know if it's a guard or something he can roll out and then the tackle can still be um you know set in the block but like I think I think it's pretty evident that like we've watched Spencer Brown now for two years and like he's not it like they do need to address right tackle and you know maybe they could um like draft someone and then if you want to also still bring in a vet to kind of mentor them so you're not rushing them in like i know like like the mcbean way is like they don't play their young players so maybe they need to change that and whoever they draft they play right out of the bat but also i'm someone who's always been like a big about player development and having a vet kind of go along the way with them but at some point like we've seen the chiefs like they played all their rookies and look how they all contributed and they're all on cheap deals. Like the bills need to like kind of take a page out of Brett Veach's playbook here and be like, we need to do the same thing. And I think finding a cheap right tackle would be really huge because, you know, Josh Allen's contracts and Von Miller's big contract Diggs is big contract. You know, what are we going to do with Edmonds and Poyer? Like finding an effective right tackle cheap would be, for the next four to five years would be really good for this team. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the Darnell right out of Tennessee is uh, one of like the top right tackles. You could find solid right tackles like Abe Lucas, but the Seahawks was a really solid right tackle as a rookie. And he was a third round draft pick, I believe. So yeah, I think finding a cheap solution at right tackle, but also finding one that's going to be a long-term solution would be key. And I would say, maybe find one that's more pro ready than Spencer, well, not maybe they had to find one that's more pro ready than Spencer Brown. Yeah. I, I also, I think the point also stands is that you had to protect that elbow. I know it's actually, it's going to be interesting for me to, to see how much the right tackle market kind of increases in value because of those injuries to the right-handed quarterback <laughs> pocket. Um, obviously the blind side is always going to be the superior tackle position, but premier, but that and I mean Josh Allen had his best season in 2020 when he when he had his best right tackle in Darrell Williams. Like I mean, Cody Ford 
was not a very good right tackle in 2019. I can't was Jordan Mills a t- the right tackle in 20. I mean, that's just kind of how forgettable that was. And then oh I goodness, Spencer I forgot Brown. about him. Yeah, Spencer Brown, Questenberry, the Williams fall off. Like Josh's best year was when Darrell Williams arguably played an all pro level at right tackle in 2020. So I think that's an important position. Josh has always kind of made made it work with the interior offensive line. He's always been able to, you know, escape interior pressure pretty well. I will say yeah. this it's also a position they had to address at least one of the guard spots of Saffold, hopefully not coming back. But there's some studs in your own division, like Wilkins. I mean, I would assume the Jets are going to play Quinn Williams. I think it would be pretty dumb not to. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jones is still in the AFC. Jeffrey Simmons. Like, you're going to continue to play, like, stud defense, interior defensive linemen. But also, those guys are – I would say you could take those guys away easier than edge rushers. And also – but also with right tackle, like we saw it in the playoff game against Cincinnati, their their exotic blitzes, like Spencer Brown completely whiffed on a on a corner slot corner blitz and it killed Josh because why would Josh ever think he was hot in that situation? Like yeah. you have your right tackle to handle a two hundred pound DB, like mm-hmm. improving the right tackle will not only probably help the run game, it will help like covering up blitzes and protect. I mean, yeah, brilliant guy. No, I I mean that that's the big money here. It, literally, we got to protect our big money because we want our big money to play and play well. So, I think that's the, the you know one of the bigger takeaways is just Spencer Brown. People are saying he's been in a sophomore slump. I'm like, this guy wasn't even good his first season. I'm like, what are you talking about? His best moment was chugging the bud. Yeah, exactly. And he got fined for that. Like, I, with I, what I, money? Like, I do think Spencer Brown could be an interesting swing tackle, kind of like Bobby Hart that comes in for like those run plays or those play act, those deep play actions. Like, I think he could still add some value. I mean, he still has what two years left. Do you think you move yeah. him somewhere else on the line? No, no, oh, no, no. He's not. He's a tackle. Like he's yeah. not a guard. But I'll say we know, or at least you know, we've seen the Bills like to get offensive linemen with versatility. So do you think? their main target on the draft would be someone who could play interior and tackle, or do you think they should focus mainly on someone who's been a right tackle? If that's what we're saying, like they yeah. should draft. I don't know. It, it, it's interesting how the board falls. Um, yeah. Cause there's like that tour Cyrus Torrance, who's like a, a strict guard from Florida. That's been mocked. I've seen. Yeah. John Michael Schmidt from Minnesota is a center, but probably has like kind of like that lander, like that Eagles. You know, they have Landon Dickerson, who's like a Pro Bowl, I believe, right guard, but he's kind of like a center. He was a center in college, and he's probably going to take over when Kelsey's retired. Yeah. Like that would be a good backup option. It's just, I, I, it will just be interesting how the board falls because I, 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 after the season, you guys know I was really like pro wide receiver, and I've kind of fallen off that just a tad because I think it's more they had to find one more guy, like another like depth guy, and they had to find just better play calling for the weapons they have. So I, I mean, they could just go back to back, kind of like take best offensive lineman available, and then draft in the second round for like that the need of whichever one you didn't really fill. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I would do. But I, I don't know. I, I would. I would say having an offensive lineman that could be a, like could have at least some versatility would be nice. But I just I worry about that because that's a little like Cody Fordish to me. 
like yeah. a dude that like we all thought was could be like a really good guard, but was a tackle in college and they tried him out on tackle, he sucked, and then he sucked at guard too. So like that's what would scare me in, in that scenario. Yeah, you don't want an all out whiff like that to happen, you know, but I still you... I still can't believe they got the Cardinals fifth round pick out of that guy. Basically yeah. a fourth round pick. Like yeah. that's a premier fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean, I guess Cody Ford's got some trade value, but never saw it coming. <laughs> he played well that one preseason game. Yeah, that was it. Hurt, though. I, I don't want to bash him too much. Like He got hurt before the season. but Yeah, that's right. Forgot but, about that, honestly. Yeah, kind of hurt, so. But I heard you mention a mock draft, right? And I know, I know we're on the concept of O-line right now, but I, I have one question for you guys. If you watch the NFL Network, if you watch anything fantasy football, you see those little scrollers at the bottom of the screen. Ticker. Right? Ticker, yeah. And they go through the like what they want each team to pick and whatnot in the first round. I've seen Bijan Robinson on like 10 of these. And if the Bills pick a running back in the first with the first overall pick, like what what are your guys' thoughts? Like that's like we have two running backs. We have Cook and Hines. I get it, they're receiving backs, right? But at the same time, it's not where the need is. Like the need is O line. The need is wide receiver. Like, what are your thoughts uh, on Bijan? I mean, I know, like, especially that high in the draft, you should never draft for need. It should always be like BPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I could see the logic to why you'd want Robinson, but the way the Bills have run their offense, they don't center it around a running back. Mm-hmm. So they're more Josh Allen centric where he's going to make the play rather than like a few years ago when we had shady, it was kind of, that was like our main running back. Like he actually got used. And like, if you, I guess if you implement an offense like that, again, I could see and justify why you'd want Robinson because, you know, they're comparing him to like a Saquon and like, he's the best running back prospect since him. But at the same time, like, I just, I just don't know how you could justify it if you're leading rushers, your quarterback for the past handful of years. Right. Like, like that's just not, yeah, he might be the BPA, but like, that's not yeah, the smartest move to make in my opinion. Yeah. Don, no. what do you think? I think it's one of those situations where we saw it last year. I feel like they drafted BPA slash need and they thought corner would fell through their board. They needed a corner and they drafted the best corner. That's what their approach should be for either the offensive line or even a receiver. Or, yeah, I mean, like, if Bijan, I said this, like, a couple pods ago, if Bijan Robinson or Michael Mayer is on the board at 27, and those two are the best players available, you should you should trade out of that pick. Like, mm-hmm. someone will come up and grab them. It's also, yeah. like, someone out of the second round might come and grab them because then they get the fifth-year option. Uh, so they get another they get another year. I just don't see the the need to draft a running back and have uh, like four years and then have him for the fifth year after potentially of like what Saquon did at like ten million and just have him pretty much like walk because he's gonna get. I mean, I think Robinson will hit, so I think he'll want like big money after that. And that point, like, I spent five years with a running back when I could have drafted like an offensive tackle that I could just pay now and have him protect my quarterback. I don't know. I just don't. Yeah. I didn't tight end or like the two positions I would like make my head well other than quarterback because I just have a quarterback twenty seven overall I think that would make my head spin but oh my god imagine those like those positions I just think that like they've already dumped way too many draft assets into running back like 
and running back is also not a position where you need to be drafted. Like we saw, I mean, the Chiefs drafted Petrenko. Mm-hmm. Seventh round. Like every every year, you see the graphic of the Super Bowl winning team, the leading rusher, how much money they're making, and like I think the most someone's made is like two mil, and it was like James White. I want to say like they <laughs> yeah. just don't paid, and so it's a, it's a it's, I don't know. That would just be a bad use of assets, especially for a team that has bigger needs. More mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would was, like to see James was also pretty good last year, so. I guess the concern yeah. would be, the concern would be if you increase his workload, does his efficiency drop off, and by how much? Which is probably going to mm-hmm. drop off, but like how much would his efficiency drop? Well, off? hopefully they can implement Naheem Hines as a running back actually. Well, this so, upcoming yeah. season, so and, squad, and we, yeah, I mean, we drafted Cook to be a receiving back, and he literally obtained about what twenty passes. Like that—that that was it. Like it use him, use him for what you drafted him. Like at that point, come on. All right. So before we talk about the cap and before we talk about the other what's going on in the ACs, I, I did have a question because we, we talked last week about what is the more pressing need if both Poyer and Edmonds lead linebacker safety. Now I have to ask if both those guys leave and you could add a vet in one spot and draft their replacement, start over in the position in the other spot, what position are you drafting to start over? <clears throat> I'll start with this. Also, I'm limiting. Just don't. I don't. No one bring up Benford. I feel like that's like a wild card. I don't. I guess we could bring him up. I know my answer. Kind of a weird. That was going to be my answer. So I'm going to rethink this. I just. I just. I just think I got. I got got an answer. uh, That would be like my answer, but for the process of the program. Okay, I got an answer. Maybe this is a little out there, but it's hot takes time. Okay. (laughs) I always. I always say it in the intro. Hot takes trivia more. So let it rip. So. I think safety is the position that you would develop for the future because Poyer's in his thirties, Micah Hyde's in his thirties. And, you know, after that, we're not sure about the depth. So I think that would be a nice position to develop and have long-term middle linebacker. You bring in a vet. Now who just got released? Bobby Wagner. Who wants to win? Bobby Wagner. Von Miller, recruit Josh Allen, recruit, get him in here for one year, give him, like, he can fill the gap. I mean, he was the highest-graded linebacker last year. He wants to win. Just just come here, boost the defense, you know, go for a ring. Hot take maybe, maybe hot take, but, like, that's just how I see it. So what, that takes hot enough for me to hop on it with you. I, I, I like that. I like Bobby <laughs> Wagner coming to – I like Bobby Wagner coming to Buffalo. And – I would definitely, while you have the veteran talent in Micah Hyde, to kind of bring up the next generation, quote unquote, of the safety position because Poyer doesn't. Poyer has no idea if he's coming back. I mean, that they I saw a tweet about that the other day. He's gone. So it's like at this point, use the veteran talent we have, especially in Micah Hyde, who's locked down. I don't know if any of you remember that interception he had in that Patriots game that wild card game best one I've seen in my entire life mm-hmm. but this guy I mean he could really teach in a way you know like throw him out there with him see what happens you won't have DeMar Hamlin because he was out he was a good fill-in like he was solid for most of the season I almost threw my mouse off the table but I think it's just you you like Mike said you bring up the safety and then you bring in Bobby Wagner to 
to bring out that linebacker position. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm right on board. Yeah, just like like the top tier, like one I would target. Like there's like a TJ Edwards and like other guys you could bring in, but like just for the take of it, Bobby Wagner. So it's steamy. You want Bobby I, yeah. Wagner? I, I think it's the. I think the concept of what you're saying is correct, though. Like drafting a safety is probably the best option than starting over at middle linebacker because the Bills. Like you just can't afford to get killed in the middle of the field in like the modern day NFL. And if you start over with a, you know, quarterback you put, your defense. Yeah, you put in Terrell Bernard or you put in some random rookie. Like I mean, Evans is a great player, but his head was like he was like he couldn't do anything his first couple of years. Like he was just lost in translation. Like no, he was seeing ghosts out there like yeah. Sam Darnold for a while. <laughs> it is it's not the move. Like I feel like safety is a is a position as you said with Hyde. It just you know. They just hired a new safety, kind of more of a developmental safety coach. Like, I think that's the position they want to go in is trying to develop that position outside of, like, the one position outside. Well, I would say this. I think they're going to draft a safety to eventually fill Hyde's position, and they hope that Benford or if Hamlin comes back, like, they could potentially be the other safety so that you have mm-hmm. both. Uh, obviously, only one would play probably right now, but I think that should be the move safety-wise, and then they should find kind of a vet, you know, on a cheaper deal than Edmonds. I still think they should probably bring back Edmonds and just pay the cost. But yeah, um, like TJ Edwards, as you said, Levante David, obviously Bobby Wagner would be like the huge fish, Jermaine Pratt. Like there's definitely Bobby Okariki. Like there's definitely like South, like this is solid veteran middle linebacker class that you could probably find. I'm not saying they're going to be cheap. They're still probably going to be like eight to 10 mil plus a year, but like mm-hmm. you could find a, at least a solid placement especially because it's just really Edmonds' first year being elite. So do you think Edmonds wants like Roquan Smith money? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Why wouldn't he? He's 24. Like I mean, Baltimore. he's literally calling plays. Like he, the guy is going to get money somewhere. It's not really the, it's, it's like this is his first year being truly elite. And I, why would you risk it by taking like a three-year deal? Like he's going to want a hundred million dollar contract. And so yeah. like with them, like look at the traits. Look at all that. So before we go into the cap, I just want some thoughts on the AFC East. Um, you know, I think last year the division was a lot stronger than I anticipated. And yeah. I think next year, I think it's going to be a real dogfight because Vic Fangio comes to, that's an upgrade for the Dolphins. You know, maybe they won't do those stupid cover zero blitzes anymore. Second you mean year, like a Madden, a twelve-year-old playing Madden, just running Mike Will Blitz the entire game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, second year for Tua. Well, hopefully, I hope Tua's back for them. Um, same. But that was also interesting because I felt like at the end of the year they they teams were able to game plan. But McDaniel's a smart coach, so I think he'll be able to adapt. The Patriots at least have an offensive corner this year. I don't know what's good. They're just. I think they're just. There's just a weird team, and then the Jets. They're going to have a new quarterback. It's just a matter of who at this point. And, like, Derek Carr loved I, me. I just said – I'm just going to say this. Derek Carr, fine quarterback. There's a lot of stats out there about, like, him, like, having a really trashy defense. I'm not saying the Jets can't win and maybe they win the division with Derek Carr, but they don't have a shot in the Super Bowl with Derek Carr. I'm just going to say. Like, I'm sorry. Did you like, see the, the, the one person was, like, he'll be a Hall of Fam- first ballot Hall of Famer if he goes to New York and wins, like – Dude, that's, like, just, that's just trying to sell them. Like, so have you seen his stats in cold weather? Like, they're really bad. Yeah, he's a dog. So like guy. half, yeah. So like half of the year would be bad. Like, I don't know. Like Derek Carr, 
He's like an average quarterback, but like I don't know. Trying to sell him like he like he's Matt Stafford, but he's not even Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was actually like that's what I'm saying. They're trying to sell average. They're trying to sell him like if he comes to New York, he's gonna win a ring, and then everyone talked about Matt Stafford after he won a ring about potentially being Hall of Fame, which he's not. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's what they're trying to get, but like. Again, Derek Carr, fine quarterback. You'll probably be able to make the playoffs. I just don't think they're a real – like, I don't think you're ever going to be a true threat with Derek Carr as your quarterback. But you know who they'll be a true threat with? The gentleman who emerged from the shadows <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> he, he emerged. He – they brought back Nate Hackett, right, from the ashes of tanking the Denver Broncos. They brought him. They brought him on. He's got chemistry with them. I think – a rod of the NFL is coming to the New York Jets. Cold weather quarterback played in Wisconsin. Some crazy cold weather there in, in December. He knows what's coming. He's wanting to leave Green Bay because of that whole Jordan Love situation. There's no also no receivers there after Adams left. <clears throat> and it's just, I think this division is going to get very competitive, especially with him there because you have guys like um, – Wilson on the not the quarterback Wilson but you have Garrett Wilson and you have their defense and if you add a actually like proven quarterback which I don't know if I would say to the extent of his two MVP seasons last season but it, I I want to say it's just because he didn't have any anyone really around him at that point but um I I think he's going to the New York Jets and my voice is slowly losing itself for whatever reason right now. So I don't know. Rogers to the Jets. I, th I think, again, I think that's a position for outside the bills 53 man roster to pay attention to because they're going to upgrade somehow. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, Rogers was kind of semi cooked last year. I think it was, again, maybe mostly situation, but I think that's something to keep an eye out as well. Too many psychedelics, man. Yeah. So now going into the main top before we head on to the Sabres about so cover one did like their cap stranger. They went from negative sixteen basically negative sixteen million dollars in cap space to freeing up where they had fifty million dollars in cap space. So I'd be a happy camper. Just like so, just before we go into it, that would be awesome. Yeah. So go looking at their moves that they did, I just wanna I'll say them and then we'll we'll say yay or no. So we can start I, I'm just gonna say it. I think all of us are in favor of reconstructing reconstructing Josh Allen, Von Miller, Deion Dawkins, and Trey Weiss contracts. I think we're all yay to that. Mm -hmm. yep. I think I think the fear so – I'm not a big cap expert. I'm going to be completely honest but I'm reading off this list. But I think the fear of when you reconstruct, or, reconstruct or a contract, it's really mostly just moving around the money, um, is that if they somehow fall off a cliff and you have to cut them, I think that you're dead cap for – for like you're, if you reconstructure a contract, the dead – cap money in previous years goes up in the next years goes up so if you cut them it's a bigger loss yeah i think those four guys i think you're pretty confident you're is that like what new orleans was doing or what was new orleans doing like all those yeah, years yeah, like michael thomas's contract is 59 he has a 59 million dollar cap hit it's just yeah. they moved so much of his money up front to like back they backloaded his money so much mm -hmm. that now that they're cutting him because he's trash, like that's how big of a bill they had to pay for that. Like that's why you don't want to fully fall in New Orleans. But yeah, <laughs> again, New Orleans, New Orleans. So they didn't yeah. do anything with Morris. Are we are we yay or nay on that? So he, 
listen, this guy's one one concussion away from retiring at this point. If he doesn't come back, like he's he's had three with the Bills now. He's had six or I seven. Need, I just need a yes or no answer. It wasn't an open ended question. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't think he'll stick around for much longer. So I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, no, I'd keep him. Yeah, I'd keep him. I I, I think they already took him <laughs> last year to do a pay cut. Um, I would offer him again. Uh, if you wanted to do a pay cut again, because again, and then they should also draft his replacement that could be a day one starter at guard and be a center, kind of what as I said, with Landon Dickinson and the Eagles as Michael is dying. Um, so then they did a trade. They did the Ed Oliver trade, which freed up ten point eight million dollars in cap. They traded him for a second and fifth round pick, and they got they got that value based off they talked to other uh, fans of other like other cover ones of like the other teams and they got like a, what their price would probably be. So I know we talked, maybe they do run throw for Oliver if that's available. I like the move. I mean, you free up $11 million in cap, you get a fifth round pick, which I think is at least a solid pick, another asset, another depth body, which the bills have known to add quality picks in like the fifth and sixth round. And the second round pick, I mean, that's a top, probably going to be a top 50 pick. Like that's a premier asset where you could, you know, that's another dude, probably a day one starter. And you, and the only thing I would say, and they talked about this on their show, was that you'd probably have to find it. Probably it's not it, trading at Oliver will not give you ten million dollars in savings. Based off, you had to have a counter move of either using one of those draft picks to draft an interior defensive lineman or pay like a vet five million dollars. So it's not like you don't get exactly ten million dollars, but you save money and get assets. Mm-hmm. Are we a yay or nay? I'm fine with that. I'd say yay. Yeah, I mean, I like Ed. I think the idea of Ed Oliver is awesome. Hasn't produced enough. The reality of Ed Oliver has not been awesome. I will say this though: people were trashing on him because, like, they did like the pre and post Von stats, and his pre Von stats were brutal as well. I will say this: the dude did suffer a high ankle sprain week one, and for a guy that has his game based off like speed and like quickness. I feel like a high ankle sprain may may impact that a little bit. So I think that's mm. a little especially like, jumping off the line and all that stuff. Again, he's had dominant games, but not enough for my So then they cut two pay- players, Naheem Hines and Isaiah McKenzie. They saved four point eight with Hines, two point two of McKenzie. I'd cut McKenzie, I'd keep Hines. Exactly. I, I, I don't think you let one of your running backs go. Um, especially him. I think he's he would be a huge asset to the team. Isaiah McKenzie's butterfingers, so let him go at this point. Because McKenzie's like a gadget player, and Hines you can use as runner and then also as a returner, so and yeah. special teams. So yeah, my, my thought process is this: Isaiah McKenzie's cut. I just don't. I'm not the biggest McKenzie fan. I, Hines would have to take a significant pay cut, and Dorsey and the front office have to sit down and make sure that like he's a part of the offense. Like he could take over, as you said, like the gadget role. And be the kickoff returner. Like I think that has value, and he seems like a good enough dude. So I disagree with the the straight cut that they did. I know that would. I don't think that would change the cap space that much. It only like added a million or two more. So I don't think that's that big of a deal, especially if you potentially could get Mitch Morris to take a little bit of a pay cut as well. That kind of evens out what you would have gained. And then they made Tim Settle take a two million dollar pay cut, which makes sense because Tim has a has like a. Four million dollar cap hit, and he was pretty bad last year. But yeah, again, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose at Oliver, I don't think you can afford to lose Tim Settle. Not like Tim Settle's like that guy, but like replacing two DTs, 
you just got to hope that last year was just kind of a rough one and he kind of bounces back. And then they got they were able to save money by about I can't read three million dollars by extending Daquan Jones two years, which I'm all for because Daquan Jones was awesome last year. Yeah, I'm okay with that. He was a bigger part of our defense, so I, I'm I'm all for that. And boom, that's how that's how you get from negative sixteen million sixteen million in the hole to fifty million, and then you know you use the fifty million to draft picks, improve the interior defensive line, maybe grab another edge, grab a wide receiver, um, backup quarter other the other depth of your roster and offensive line. Like I think that 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 um, I mean fifty million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, that's. That uh, let's just say that eases a lot of worries people have. I would say at this point, um, especially with you know getting players necessary to win a Super Bowl if we have to at any point. Like if we have a, an injury come up, like and you have money to sign someone, that's kind of nice instead of being right at the edge. So they don't have to spend all that cash too. Like they could just make sure it's like like this year. They they don't have to spend any of that money in the future. Like it could just be like a this year thing. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, pretty much if this could be sent directly to Brandon Bean, Mike's having computer issues and pooped the bed, so he'll be back momentarily, hopefully. But if we could send this directly to Brandon Bean right now, oh, speak of the devil. If we could send it directly to Brandon Bean, I would love it. I think that's that this would be an ideal situation to happen in IRL, you know, but. I think that's going to do it for our Bills topic for the day. But before we move into the Sabres, I would just like to bring up the Sports Bring People Together podcast. You should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports. And who knows where the chats will take you. But sports got us all here together in the first place. Find the show where you ever, wherever you listen to your podcast or simply visit sportseplus.com. And now let's talk about our Buffalo Sabres. What a game last night. We're recording Friday, early morning. And it's just... I don't know. There's there's something that's been a little bit stuck in my head, if you will, since that game last night. We couldn't hear it because none of us were there, and it was also not a home game. So I have to play it gratuitously. I it, did it. I watched the highlight like eight times because there was clearly a hooking penalty that wasn't called, but we got away with it, and it was it was pretty cool. But I'll fade this out real fast so we don't have to listen to Gummy Bear very much longer. So, but yeah, I mean, tough moment. Yeah, it's been it's been a good good bounce back week after a detrimental dumpster fire week last week. Since the last podcast, I remember it was pretty doom and gloom talking about the Sabers. So yeah, it was pretty do or die. Um, the Sabers got a lot of help this week. Like um, Saturday, like every result went the Sabers' way, and then they. They beat San Jose. They didn't play their best game, but they played well in the third period. And I don't know. It was nice. They went two and one. I think getting a split against Toronto and Tampa is huge. I know it's not great to lose to your rival and kind of get blown out of your own building. That was kind of a bizarre game. It felt like more of a Leafs home game. A lot of people were getting on, like all the Sabres fans and the Sabres organization for like allowing all those Leaf fans to take over the building. But I just say this though, like. Toronto, it's such it's so much money to go to one game that all those fans are gonna go to Buffalo. And like I just gotta say, like, 
it's a businessman and like they're not they're gonna sell like the sabers are gonna sell the canadians and they're gonna up the prices because they're gonna be willing to pay a little bit more because yeah they're still such a downgrade from the toronto prices like why wouldn't they do it and people selling their season tickets it's also kind of like if Make i your get, money if i could get someone to do that and i could get most of my money back from my season ticket like it's not i it's not like the Sabres came into the season as like title contenders, like cup contenders. Like that would be different. Like they came up with like I think all of us thought it was more likely they finished seventh or eighth in their own division than make the playoffs. So it's not. I don't know. I just think that was stu- I think that was stupid by all like the media and some of their fans going at each other's throats. It's like it's what it is, man. It was a frustrating night. Great bounce back. Hopefully they have a good game tonight. Um, really, I mean. The ball is really in their court, and they have all these games in hand on the Islanders, who are the wild card one. The Penguins have fallen off, and I, I know we're talking about it right now, but like the Capitals yesterday trade one of their better defensemen, like they just sell, they sold. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. Like they, you know, we we saw the Islanders go all in. I wonder, like, do we pay attention to Florida? Like Florida. With the amount of games they've played and before, like they played so many games above everyone, like it kind of feels like they had to sell because they had to go like thirteen five and two to even have a realistic shot of making it. Yeah, like that's an insane record to get. Like they, I feel like they're kind of like, yeah, we're in it points wise, but like with the amount of games, like they, they've that they've done, like, I feel like they they're like kind of in a position where it's like they had to sell. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean. It's just, it's for me, it's so tough to look at this right now because it truly is like there's a lot that our division is cemented is for me the most competitive. I know we've talked about this before, but just even fighting for this wild card spot right now, just it, it's it's tough company at all times. Like they're right there with us. It's, it's, I don't know why the Capitals traded their best defense. I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I saw that, my jaw was kind of like, what? Like, I, I had no idea what the, the thought process was there. And you're right, Dom. They absolutely sold on that one. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's that's like if I was GM, I'd pull something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like wasn't out. They didn't get a good, they did not get as good of no. a return. As good as no, there's no, there was no return value. So. They're probably trying to think they want to salvage something because they have no prospect pool. And I think I got the internet situation figured out. I turned on a hotspot now. It's like I we were rolling so good, and then it just took a poop. Well, it's because we have our trivia host back now. So yes, he should be back. No, no glitches anymore. But no, I think like you see Washington, like maybe they're like, you know, we have faith that our guys can maybe make a playoff run, but at the same time, we want to salvage some things for the future not that they got the best assets but they got they did get a first round pick next year granted it'll probably be like a late first round pick and then you won't see that guy for a few years but like that's they don't have really any prospect pool so like yeah i don't know it's, it's weird maybe unless they just accepted the fact that they're not gonna make the playoffs and like yeah, I, I don't know i don't it's know just, when i when i watch washington play like all i feel like it's like they just want Ovechkin to score. Like, they don't care. Like, I feel like Ovechkin himself just wants, like, the scoring title at this point. Like, he already won a Stanley Cup. And, like, I know um, we were talking about this um, not on the pod, but, like, we look at his legacy and everything and how much, like, he wasn't able to get out of the second round. And, like, the only time he made the Conference Finals was when they made that run to the Cup. 
and like you know you talk about him being an all-time great and at this point they're kind of just they are just kind of forcing him to break the scoring record so like you know is that really their top priority or should he more or less want to make another run and try to get another championship yeah, like I don't, I like the move to do it makes some sense, and the fact that they're in like the similar position to Florida, where they have like played like three or four games more than everyone else, and they only have sixty-two points, and they're like a couple points back of Detroit in the second wild card, and they're three games below, like more than them. So, I I understand why they they sold. I just think it's interesting because they don't they don't. It's not like they have a prospect pool to back up on, and they're a very veteran laden team. So it's not like they're getting like next year is going to be a year where like they're going to turn it around real quick. Like I think this might have been their last hurrah, kind of like what Pittsburgh is, but kind of in the same point. Like you look at the wild card and how it's playing out. I don't think there's a single team that the Sabers are competing against that they can't beat. And I think that's important because, like, if you look at it, Ottawa has somewhat of a chance because they've only played 56 games, but they're four points back of the Sabres, and they're so injured. Like, Norris just got hurt, went down. Like, I don't think they have a really shot. Yeah, the Sabres had 62 points or 56 games played. They're the tied with the Capitals, who have played 60 games. So, I'm not – and, they, again, they just sold. So, I'm not really concerned about that. The Penguins are going to be interesting. I think they're a team – to look out for in perspective, the Sabres only have one game in hand on them and they're a point back of the Penguins. The Islanders, yeah, they're five points ahead of the Sabres and they're in that one wild card, but they played 61 games compared to the Sabres 56. Like, I don't know what to tell you on that one. The Panthers, again, they played four more games and have two more points. This is a big game tonight. Like, this is a, a the Sabres cannot lose this game in regulation. Like, if they do that, that's a, that's a brutal loss of their chances. Yeah. And then. <laughs> Detroit's in the second wild card as we as as of right now. They played, but they play one more game than the Sabres, and obviously have two more points. And again, Detroit's a team that's like I'm not overly impressed with either. Like, and they're also a team that's it's they're a bizarre team, and like they're number like Dylan Larkin, their number one center isn't even signed through next season. So like I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know. It feels like it feels like. We really truly won't know the landscape. The Sabres are starting to pick up the games in hand. Like they play tonight when yeah. a lot of teams play. Like they're starting to pick up, they're going to start picking up the games. But we're really not going to know the landscape of the wild card until after March 3rd. Like I don't think any of us expected the Islanders to just drop a nuke and get Bo Harvat, really. I don't think any of us expected the Capitals to trade one of their best defensemen. Like we're really not going to know. Like the out, like the outlook of these teams aren't going to become clear until a week or week and week and a half from now. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And like I said, it's an absolute dogfight right now for it. Pretty much any team can it's grab it. in general. Team. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's honestly <clears throat> a tough thing to be a Sabres fan for the past decade, right? Even when, well, actually, they've just been bad in general but now when it's like they can be competitive they can win these games they can do what they need to do the division is still so just packed you know what i mean like it's it's, you're not really escaping anything by becoming better you're still fighting and just figuring it out you know so i think it's i mean when you look at it it's cool that they're in the position they are now like dom said i don't think any of us, except when I said they're going to the cup next season in an intro, had ever spoken that they were going to go playoff bound, 
right? Like we kind of had the expectation that they would, oh, get close, improve on last year, which they have. But to even be talking about them in a wild card spot right now, to me is, I don't know. It's not what I was expecting, but it's pretty cool. And if they can actually pull it off and stick it out in this tough division, I think they're proving themselves as a standout team in this division to really, you know, fight through it and underdog dog eat dog scenario, go for it. You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another big fight that's happening with like Sabres fans right now is like, is this season a success if they don't make the playoffs? And for me, from a dude that had like low expectations, I wouldn't say low expectations. Like I had them finishing pretty good points. I think that's like compared to what the last decade was, that's pretty reasonable. Like, I think I think you're allowed to say overall the player development, the position they put themselves in has been a success. But if they don't find a way to make them, if they don't find a way to make the playoffs, I would say you're okay to feel sad about that. But I don't think you go as far as saying it's a bad season. Like I think it's a good no. season, but I think you're allowed if they somehow miss the playoffs to be like, that's a missed opportunity that they should they really should have capitalized on because they put themselves in a really great position with all the games in hand really only being a couple points back like if they just need to go on a run they if they you know go on like a little four game five game hot streak like they're gonna be in the playoffs of good margins and they have mm-hmm. done that they've gone eight game on an eight game streak losing and both winning so i i think uh that's definitely in the cards it all depends on how motivated they are and they seem to be pretty motivated so I, i'm 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 looking forward to that hopefully mike what do you think yeah, I mean, I think going into the season, like we wanted them to at least be in the conversation at this point, and they are. So I think I didn't necessarily think they were going to make the playoffs this year. I thought they were going to be a few teams out, but I think next year is really the year where it's they should make the playoffs because, like you were saying, Washington and Pittsburgh are on the way their way out, and like we're a team on the way up. So like we can, in theory, we should be one of the teams that replaces them in the playoffs, and like. You know, we expected Florida to be like this juggernaut and they haven't had the season they did last year. You mm-hmm. know, Detroit was kind of they just patched a lot of holes with free agent contracts. And, you know, I don't think that's sustainable. Um, the only team I see that could also be on the rise is Ottawa, just because they're a young roster. Uh, but like yeah. and maybe like Montreal down the line. Like, I don't think next year they're anything, but like maybe a few years from now, like once. Caulfield and Suzuki and like Slavkovsky are older. Like, I don't know. I think right now, like your top teams are still um, obviously good, but like at some point Tampa is going to regress because they're getting older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is where I want the Sabres to be right now. I think it's really encouraging. I think we've played good hockey. Like, yeah, we got blown out in the Toronto game, but that's going to happen. And we bounced back against Tampa to get that extra point. So like, I think, yeah. I've liked what I've seen so far overall this season. And like, if we make the playoffs, I think it's an added bonus. Like I wouldn't say it'd be disappointing to miss, but like, I don't think it was expected, but I think next year is really the year we want to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree. Added bonus is the perfect way to put it. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Next year has got to be a year. They, they had the focus of being playoff caliber as the bills always say, but so talking a little bit more, about the Sabres present, then we'll go into like other news and asking a hypothetical question. But the three goalie system, I think, has been a massive failure. I think it's been a 
waste of a roster spot. The best goalie on the roster is a 41-year-old Craig Anderson, which I was concerned about going into the year because, like, he plays once a week. UPL has been pretty bad for the last month and has, mm-hmm. like, a, not even the biggest save percentage guy, but having a consistent 890 this far in is a pretty brutal. Comrie was very bad yesterday. I know, listen, Vasilevsky was terrible. Like, I, he technically out, like, outplayed Vasilevsky. I don't think that's, like, a compliment. And no. Yes, he made some nice saves in overtime to get him the win, but he was also the reason why they were there in the first place. One was further down in the garbage can than the other one. Like, that's, that's just how it was, pretty much. I think it's just one of those things that's frustrating because... Like in theory, the three goalie system was not a bad idea, but they put that. But Kevin Adams did it to himself in the off season, and now it's like you. I, we talked last week about UPL and Comrie. Like I don't think you go go in next season, as we said with mm-hmm. the playoff expectations of those two guys being your goaltenders because they've been terrible. They both like have brutal advanced numbers, brutal just standard goaltending numbers, and like I guess. I can't believe, according to Elliot Freeman, that the, the players pushed for this. Like, I understand wh- why at first, but now, I don't know. I think it's mm-hmm. just dumb, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Like, I really I'll, think they're about Comrie. I'll present a situation here. So, we've seen that in Anaheim, John Gibson, they want to give him a new home. Do you think his new home should be Buffalo? Hell, no. No, he, he's, he's, he's peaching past his prime. He's he's terrible. He's so bad. He's so bad. No, that does not. I don't. If if you're gonna bet on someone doing a bounce back candidate, it would be Demko. It's no way I'm. I'm <laughs> John Gibson's been, John Gibson's been terrible for the past three years. Demko has just been injured and bad this year. Like, no, <laughs> I'll shoot okay. that down. It was, like, just, it was just a hypothetical oh, like, proposition. I do think they need to add a significant goalie piece because i know we talk about levi but levi is two years away probably so i do think they need to add like like honestly could be more too well two years from at least being on the team probably uh, you're right probably maybe a couple more from being a legit player but i mean look jake ottinger didn't really break out till his third year so um yeah i just i hate the three goalie system i i think they should look to move one to add something in the trade deadline and they need definitely a better short-term answer than what they have currently Mm mm-hmm and my final kind of real life question, my you know, up pressing question, I guess, will Tage be a heart finalist? Man just had a hattie, career uh-huh. high in goals, career high in points. Does he a top three man? That's tough. That's a tough I think he should be. Like it's most valuable to your team, you know? Like I like your without the key Tage, there. Yeah, without Tage, like what is this team really gonna do? Like, you know, I don't think we're nearly as successful as we we are right now, so no. I think he should be at least in the conversation. I think well, when, I, I think David's probably gonna lock that up, but like he should at least be in the conversation. I mean, when you look at some of these games, right? Like I forget who they were playing in this game. Scored four goals by himself. I forget who the opponent was Columbus? earlier this season. I think I it was Columbus. Columbus five four in the first quarter or first period. Sorry, and like that wouldn't have been a win. Like it, maybe it would have, right? I can't, I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I, I'll say. I'll put it this way: He's definitely been incredibly valuable to this team. McDavid's the hands down going to win because he's going to get like 150 points or whatever. Like that's just insane. I I think after McDavid though, there's kind of like two spots kind of open, and it kind of is kind of your preference. I think that the Sabers make the playoffs. I think he's should be a lock. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. the Sabers miss. 
I don't think he'll be a finalist. He's also got a start, like he had a little bit of a slump. I know that was kind of like right before the break, he was a little banged up, and now like after the break, he's starting to come on. If he if he ends the season high and they make the playoffs, there's I think there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a finalist. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like it'd be kind of I guess Darlene to me is like already kind of like as long as he ends the season with good point note, like as long as he stays hot, it doesn't matter if the Sabres make or miss the playoffs. Like I think I'm not saying he's a lock right now, but like other than Carlson, I feel like he's like the clear cut number two, and then there's kind of everyone else. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's McDavid, and then he's lumped in with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's just thoughts on informing the news as well. You know, we are not news breaking podcast, but Ryan Johnson probable to sign now. We got to watch your breaking news though, because you said Aaron Judge went to the Giants on uh, live on the pod that made one episode. So I think hey. we got to check our sources on this stuff with, with this guy. <laughs> and according to sources, he's probable again. Nothing's been decided, but. I think this brings up to my last point before we do our predictions is do the Sabres need another core player or do they just need better depth? Like if you could pick one, they add another stud or do they just need better depth to fill out their roster? I think it's an interesting, interesting conversation. I like the depth because mm-hmm. I feel like we have a solid core with like Thompson talk, cousins, Darlene, our, like, I feel yeah. like we have a solid core. Like, I really just think they need to do depth pieces. I would 100% agree with that. I mean, we talk about it with defense, too. We have Dalene Power, right? Then now Labushkin's clearly bought himself at least 10 games and good standings because of what he did. So, but I think it's just we have good top guys. It's when you start getting down past the second line, people have stepped up at different points in the season. Middlestat was a point monger at some point, right? Like, out of nowhere after being one of the worst players for the first half, like quarter of the season, you know? So I think it's just like, like you said, fill in those pieces with more reliable pieces as we go further down. So your third line can compete with another team's second or first line instead of sure. being like Akposo, the speedster out there, barely making any plays. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think for me, I'm like, it's hard to pick a straight answer in the fact of I think it's position based. Like I think for goalie they need to add not a core player. I of course a very strong word I should say. Mm-hmm. But like I think they need to have a significant upgrade that's more than just like depth because I consider depth to be comic, but they don't need like another elite because it, it Levi turns out forward wise, like they have the guys, like that you have your top four of cousins, Skinner, Tuck Thompson, Krebs is kind of played very well as like the third line center Quinn's playing very well. You expect Paterka to, you know, as he matures to kind of get in that role, you have Coolidge, you have Matt Savoy, you know, you have very solid guys that are probably going to fill out your top six. So maybe they don't need a stud there. I mean, having another stud would be nice, but they probably don't need another stud in the future. What they need for like the forward is better depth in the perspective of, when people play the, when teams play the Sabres games, like their game of like nonstop action, it's very well. When teams clog up the neutral zone and make the Sabres dump the puck in, it doesn't go that well. And for the no. Sabres to win a Stanley Cup, to get where we all think they can go, which is win a Stanley Cup, you're going to have to win four rounds against four different teams. And not every team is going to want to play your game. Uh, no. Every team's going to get a plan against doing what you want to do. 
And the Sabres are one of the worst teams in the NHL in retrieving the puck after they dump it in. So, like, for me, it's like those last three spots that we're really talking about have to – yeah, Mike uses the word grit. Like, I think they need to have, like, a skilled player that can, like, score, but also, like, are elite four-checkers. Like, yes, yeah. Frost is a guy in Carolina. Not really a household name, but dude's a pain. Former Ranger. Checking. Yeah. He's a great four checker. Like he's a, your, your typical. I know Barkley Goodrow got a huge contract, so he's kind of like a lot of those guys did. Goodrow, you know a good uh, example. Coleman, like Brandon Hagel before his contract, like mm-hmm. before not not before his contract. Excuse me, before his like point explosion this year, like he was the guy that like thirty points a year, thirty to forty, but he could play up in your top six because he was so good at four checking. Like those are the kind of guys. Defensively, even if Johnson signs, I think they might need to add like a core defenseman. Like I think that might not be a bad idea, but mm-hmm. overall, it's depth. They have, I think, as you said, like they they have, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what did you say? I was going to say something. Completely forgot about it. Spaced out. I know you got to go, so we'll 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 skedaddle on. We'll skedaddle onward. Mm-hmm. All right. So, talking about our predictions, I think Joe, you said they're going to go three and zero. I think I said one one one, which is almost almost hit. I said three and zero. Oh, yeah, they went two and one. Mm-hmm. I cannot find the Sabre schedule because I looked up NHL standings. That was awesome. Woo! All right, yeah, woo to me. So they play tonight against Florida. Win. Mm. Yep. Dub. Sunday against the Capitals. Tuesday against the Blue Jackets at home. Those two are at home in Boston on Thursday. So assuming we're having Pod Friday, four games record in the four games. Three and one. 4-0. 2 I wish. I went 3-0 last week and it tanked, so I, I'll go 3-1. They're going to go on a streak. They're streaking. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2-1-1. They're going to lose in regulation to Boston. They're going to beat Columbus and Florida. They're going to lose in a shootout to uh, Washington. because I think they beat Boston again. I think they beat Boston again. All right. So, Boston. So, last week, points were Tage with five. Goals was Tage with three because he went to Hattie. Um. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Sorry. And then, who do you guys have for your predictions this week? None of us hit. Well, Mike technically hit because he had Tage. I just copied and pasted Mike from the previous week, and he had Tage as the goal leader. So <laughs> you. Mike, you get to go first. Then I I'm feeling the hot takes today. Just rolling through. I think it's gonna be Victor Olsson with goals. I said that last week didn't work out. And. Jack Quinn with points. Okay. I do like that. I do like that one. Joseph? This is tough because I tried to ride the middle stat hype train and it derailed. Um, <laughs> uh, I uh, I want to go. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Tage again. I think he goes hot. He's making a run for the heart, like we said. And then, you know what? For for just kicks, I'm, I'm going middle stat again for points. I think he's going to monger it up these next couple. Of All games. those secondary assists. Yeah, the secondary assists. I'm going to take Jack Quinn and Darling. Jack Quinn's going to go on a little bit of a scoring streak here. Let's hope, man. Got to hope. I want to see the team look up going into a possible wild card spot and see these players emerge back from the shadows like Aaron Rodgers from his darkness retreat. But <laughs> I don't know. I think that does it for our Sabres topic. Dom, you're going to, I know, I know you got to skedaddle yeah. on to class. Yeah. Right. College yeah. man. Woo, we love school. That's why we're recording in the morning instead of late at night now. So, you know, we got to make adjustments. Trust the process, right? Trust the Trust education the process. process. 
Bye bye. Oh, uh, you know, I got well, since I'm not going to be here, I just got to say it. Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. Yeah, let's go. Have a let's good class, go. man. Let's oh. go. Enjoy yourself. Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, okay. So now we get to the the best part. We get to the would you rather and the trivia. I have uh-huh. the would you rather. And it's a just a general, general question. It's not really like about a specific team or anything like that. So okay. we've talked about being a below average player on a good team and a bad player on a great team winning championships, right? But we're talking about cap, money, all that stuff. So this is a little bit different of a question. Actually, no, I'm 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 changing it completely. So would you <laughs> rather stay on a below average team? And I'll explain like in team terms after this, like who it would be. Okay. Or join your rival and win a title, right? So that would be like, let's just say Dolphins Bills as an example here, right? Not the not not the way you're thinking right now. So Tua and Allen. Allen goes down, right? And we need we need a quarterback to step in. The only one that we can afford is Tua to turn the ball over, right? God forbid this ever happens. This is just out of nowhere, right? The Dolphins are willing to trade him after a couple mediocre seasons at this point, right? And the Bills are making a Super Bowl run after winning one last year. They're returning for a second. So we need a quarterback that can get us there. And Tua is it. They're rivals, though. That You know the rivalry between Bills-Dolphins. like that. That's heated up, right? If you're Tua and go to the Bills to win a title or stay loyal to the team that you've been with since they drafted you, like the fans, like um, you like that kind of stuff, like like just like I'm, everything playing into effect. I'm gonna think of it in this situation. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think of it as like Kevin Durant, who was an OKC. Oh yeah, they had chances to win but never did. And then he goes to Golden State, which was already a team that was winning. And then he joins the team and they win some more. Yeah. So would I rather go? leave my team and go to a team that's going to win or stay with my team specifically your rival team like arch nemesis yeah. team okay yeah um does money have implications or is it I just mean, solely winning solely winning like you're getting the same contract like you're and then on is it like the-, the later stages of my career or like the middle or like the beginning it's like mid career like like in the example Ooh. like to a mid career Josh Allen goes down mid career Tua has lost a couple seasons now, you know, lost quite a few. So, man, that, just, that, this is this is a good one. Do you stay and dig down deep with your team that drafted you and put their trust in you, or do you leave for the ring chase? That's the question. Dang. Um, <laughs> I wish Dom were here. I'd want to. I want to see his reaction to this. I think personally. I would hmm. see. I, I want to say I would stay, but like if I'm guaranteed a championship, yeah, it's like your moral compass is fighting itself here. Yeah, um, I feel like I would stay because if it's like the mid stages of my career, I feel like I could like resurrect the team. Mm-hmm. If it was like the later stages, and yeah, I'd go championship hunting. But like, I think if since it's the midpoint of my career, I think I would stay and try to like be a part of the solution. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the moral compass ask answer. If I'm in the mid stages of my career, I want a Super Bowl, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to I'll I mean, it's tough because if it's like a city like 
ours, like Buffalo, where it's so tight knit. The the fans are the way they are. Like you don't want to leave them and just like backstab and go win the championship. Like, like how would you feel if Josh Allen like went to jumped the ship and went to like yeah the Dolphins and won a <laughs> ring? Like you'd feel like you'd want horrible. To yeah. So. I, so I don't know. I I would stay. I think, but I would definitely be like in that in my mind. Do I want the ring on my finger at this point? You know, mm-hmm. like it just kind of be like that would be a thought at that point in my career if I wanted it or not. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to get Kiko's answer. That was a good. That was a really good one. Like I haven't thought hard about one in a little bit. That was a really (laughs) good one. Oh, we'll appreciate it. Yeah, no, that's like that really tugs on the moral compass aspect of things. But you got our trivia. Oh, of course I got the trivia. We're locked and loaded, ready to go. Let's go. So we'll start with the Bills question, per usual. Mm -hmm. So which which player in Bills history? has the most kick return yards because I, I i i was inspired on this question with like a naheem hines because i knew he would be discussed today so i'm yeah. like maybe this has relation to it but who has the most kick return yards in bill's history it's actually by a decent margin too is it like a random player from the early 2000s uh he was like he was during the drought years it was like mid 2000 late 2000s 2010s I feel like CJ Spiller is the name. That's a good guess, but no. I because I remember he had one kick return touchdown that's like ingrained in my mind as a kid. So <laughs> I'm trying to think who could it be. I'm trying to just think of recognize the name. So it's not like a well-known house known name, but it's like I could recognize it. I feel like you would recognize the name. Two tens, twenty tens. I'm not sure. I uh, I'm I'm blanking on this one. I, I forfeit. Terrence McGee. No way. No way. Five thousand four hundred fifty yards. Second place is this is who I would have guessed. I would have guessed Leotis McKelvin. Oh he was yeah, second. yeah 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 yeah. He's second. No, yeah. Where's is CJ Spiller on there at all? CJ no? Spiller is ninth. Oh well, at least he's on the list, top ten. He's behind you know. like Andre Roberts, like. Eric Molds is a good guess too, but yeah, no, I would have guessed Leo McCullough. Yeah, no, probably should have. Oh. That would have been that. <laughs> but I on the fly like that, I don't know. It didn't pop in my head. But all right, Sabers mm-hmm. question. Shoot. All right, Sabers question. So we saw Ilya Labushkin score a shorthanded game-winning goal in overtime. Mm-hmm. Who is the only other player in Sabers history to do that? Only other player in history. Yes. I'll give you a hint. Mm-hmm. It was a playoff goal. And one of the most famous calls of all time. Okay. Well, this will make it even more embarrassing if I don't know it, which is not popping in my head right now. Then again, wasn't the biggest Sabres guy until he started doing the pod. So <sighs> is it like a household name? Like I would know. Oh, yes. Who this oh, yeah. is? No, no, no. You would know shorthanded goal so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go goat heads in that era right yeah go ahead era okay is it we were alive during this time okay so this is like yeah young young though like yeah oh yeah we were we were like toddlers here but like yeah ray no 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 i'm trying to think of other players just think think about think about who 
some of our favorite players are. Specifically who my favorite player is. Pominville. Jason Pominville, yeah. scary good bull. That it, wait, really? That was right? That's the right answer. Oh my god, no way. Yeah, scary good goal, shorthanded. I do I when you said your favorite long. player, I thought of your winter classic jersey immediately that popped in my head. So I was Jason like, Pominville. oh, there we go. There we go. All right, last question. All right, last question. I, I felt motivated to do Buffalo Braves question just because I just oh. wanted a random one. Uh-huh. So they were in Buffalo from 1970 to 1978. I don't know if I asked already, but how many playoff appearances did they have while in Buffalo of the eight years they were here? Um, Can you repeat the question one more time? So how many playoff appearances did the Buffalo Braves have from – when they were in Buffalo. So 1970 to 1978 of those eight seasons, how many times did they make the playoffs? Under over 10. Okay. Under, because I'm not asking like, cause now they're the Clippers. So I'm not asking like that. Just, just their tenure in Buffalo for the eight year stretch. Oh, so it's eight or lower. Okay. I would say five. That's how many times they missed the playoffs. Oh really? They so made they only three, three play- playoff appearances. <laughs> oh my god! I they had a wish decent stretch, had but overall they were pretty bad. Yeah, no, I feel like I'd be more inclined to NBA basketball if we had exactly. Team. I don't want to watch like, the Toronto team like like that's not. I'm not interested by that. You know, like no, I don't know, like because they're they have no tie here. It's not like the Blue Jays are tied to the Bison's. You know, like no, it, that was like a mess with ownership, like. They didn't need to move. They just wanted to move, and you know, sharing sharing an arena with the Sabers, and um, I think Canisius was playing there at the time too. So scheduling was an issue, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalodian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly. I was joined by Dom Loss, who's no longer here, and Mike Marino. So Mike, I'll, Dom already said go Bills. I said go Bills. So what's left? Go Sabres. Go Sabres.